It's Monday night on the Fan Pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Elish Forvar, Justin Cuthbert. We're going to be joined by Jeff Merrick in a few moments. Merrick He'll, Mondays. Merrick Mondays are a real thing now. T- two, three times in a in a row. So we've trademarked that one. Uh, Chris jo- uh, Chris Rose will join us from NFL Network a little later in the show. Uh, big night tonight. Super Bowl rematch. Chiefs and Eagles. The Swift family meeting the Kelsey family. <laughs> Big night in sports. Big mm. night if you're a camera operator tonight. Uh, but our lead will come from Rogers Monday Night Hockey, of course. Oilers and Panthers. We've been talking a lot about the Edmonton Oilers, of course, uh, the last couple weeks. But great article by Mark Spector up on sportsnet.ca that really gets into the numbers of how bad the Oilers have been in the eye test. Uh, the numbers really back it up. And I think the McDavid stats are the most staggering part of where the Oilers are at. Yeah, Spectre opened the door, so let's walk through it and look, look at these numbers for Connor McDavid. I mean, he mentions he's not on the first two pages of the NHL stat sheet. I mean, they sort by 50, so he's outside the top 100. But I think digging deeper paints an even worse picture. If you do by rate, and I like goals and assists mm-hmm. and points per hour, points per 60, this season, goals per 60, 0.78. First assist, 0.58. So primary points per 60, mm-hmm. 1.36. Last year, goals per 60, 2.09. First assist, 1.96. Primary points, 4.05. So just over four last year, 1.36 this year. And here's the kicker. He has the highest second assist rate of his entire career this season. Hmm. So he's kind of, and I'm not the one who's like, oh, secondary assists don't matter at all. Primary points are the only thing. But he's kind of fortunate to be in a position where he has almost a point per game. Six of his 13 points so far are primary uh, assists, which means that the stuff that, like the automatic impact where it's either McDavid scoring or he's setting someone up, we're just not seeing that this year. We're not seeing a lot from the Edmonton Oilers, uh, but we will see them at 7 p.m. on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, Let's bring in Jeff Merrick to ask him a little bit about this. We're just talking about this great article by Mark Spector up on sportsnet.ca that kind of outlines... The pressures that McDavid and Drysaddle are kind of shouldering themselves. Uh, but how much is this starting to mount on the team, mount on this duo necessarily? And what can be done to kind of rewrite the narrative so that this isn't the end of the Oilers season so early on? You know, it's a really tough spot right here, uh, right now, Elish and Justin, because uh, on the one hand, A, I think we're all on the same page here that it looks like Connor McDavid came back from. Whatever injury that was, he came back too soon to play in the Heritage Classic. Like, that is the only explanation that we're seeing for Connor McDavid. Like, we've never seen this. I never saw that. We've never seen this in the NHL. I never saw this with the Erie Otters. I never saw this when he played with uh, the Toronto Marlies in the the GTHL or the York Simcoe Express. There it is, Ailish. York Simcoe Express in in the OMHA. Like, we've never seen this. Like, when have we ever seen Connor McDavid go cold? The only explanation is he hasn't fully recovered from whatever injury that was, and he didn't go to Lord to bathe in holy water to heal up either. Um, Dreisaitl is concerning, and and I'm glad you referenced the Mark Spector piece because it's excellent, and I encourage everybody to go and have a look at it at sportsnet.ca. The comments from Leon Dreisaitl, where he starts talking about, you know, He's frustrated about, you know, the one-timer's not going in anymore. And once upon a time, Leon Dreisaitl, from the matter where he was on that right side, that one-timer's going in. doesn't matter if he's near the dot. doesn't matter if he's behind the hash mark. doesn't matter if he's on the goal line. 
he one times the puck, it goes in. That's not there for him right now. But then he talked about not feeling comfortable and not feeling comfortable handling the puck. Like, that's not Leon Dreisaitl. So what, what we're seeing with these two players specifically is two guys that are out of sorts. Not sure about Dreisaitl, but, man, that guy's played banged up before. And it looks like Connor McDavid still hasn't fully healed from what was ailing him. And I, I think we've always wondered, you know, what happens if, you know, this wild scenario where Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl don't have it. Like, we've always just assumed that those two are going to flip-flop back and forth for the Art Ross Trophy, and they're never going to go cold. But what happens if they do? You know, those two guys have been the ultimate erasers for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, we got a problem. We're down three goals. Don't worry. We're going to put Dry Settle and McDavid back together again, and we're going to win the game 7-6. And, you know, Connor referenced it in that piece by Spectre. You know, we're all chasing seven. And we're all chasing seven goals so we win games. Like, we've always wondered what would happen if, figuring that if would never come, but it's arrived. And we saw it against Tampa on Saturday, and we've seen it for a balance of this season. And what is it going to expose on Edmonton? Everything. Because they don't have the guys that can jump over the boards and win games almost single-handedly. It's frightening for Edmonton. If you look at their schedule, it's not getting any easier. You know, they got the Panthers on our network tonight, then they've got, uh, what is it, Carolina, and then Washington, and then next week they have Anaheim, Vegas, and then I think it's Winnipeg on Saturday. So, good luck getting out without a few bruises from November. Like, the road ahead is really tough. And Thursday is the magical day where we all say you're in or out. U.S. Thanksgiving. Are you in? Are you out? It's going to be some tough decisions for teams like the Buffalo Sabres, like the Minnesota Wild, and dare we say the Edmonton Oilers. Like we keep saying they're going to be – I'm going long-winded here. I apologize. We keep saying they're going to be okay, but then we see what happens on Saturday, and they lose to Tampa, come from behind victory, and we'll see what happens against the Florida Panthers, and we'll see what happens. next two weeks are pretty much the entire season for Edmonton. Yeah, there's a great possibility that the, just things aren't going to be okay. And that does lend itself to other conversations. I want to ask you about the Hart Trophy a little bit later because in a world where Connor McDavid sure. and Leon Dreisaitl aren't involved in that discussion, well, it's an opportunity for a lot of players across the league. But it's an opportunity tonight for Calvin Pickard. Uh, is there anything to make in, or anything to further along the goaltending discussion in Edmonton? Is Matt, that maybe the least of their issues, even though it is a big issue just because they have so many other things going on? Do you expect it yeah. to just be Skinner and Pickert moving forward here? Or do you think there's something in the works or something that could be done? There's, yeah, they're, they're looking for a goaltender. You know, Elliot reported this on Saturday. We talked about it on the podcast. You know, they had an extended look at all three goaltenders with the Montreal Canadiens. doesn't sound like Jake Allen's going to be one of those goaltenders. Uh, Montreal eventually is going to make their mind up about Caden Primo or Samuel Montembeau. Uh, and they've had looks at all three uh, of their goalies. Um, I think that that hunt continues. I wonder at which point Edmonton has to say to themselves, okay, we need a goalie. We've got to make a deal. We know that no one's going to help us here. It's almost like, you know, Justin, it's almost like they have to go into a deal saying, we know we're going to lose this, but we have to get the player. You know, for the longest time, this is what, you know, uh, under Bobby Clark and when Ed Snyder was doing, the Philadelphia Flyers would always do, much to their long-term detriment. They'd say, Look, like we know we're going to have to overpay, but we got the player. 
We know we're going to, quote, unquote, lose the deal, but we got the player at the end of all of it. I do wonder, as much as Edmonton is trying to mitigate against losing a deal but getting the player, I wonder at what point they finally just have to plug the nose and say, it's a price we don't like, it's a price we don't want to pay, but we need a goaltender and we need one in here ASAP. I think the plan was for Jack Campbell to go to Bakersfield, find it again, and come back up. But now maybe this is like a, I don't know, Justin, 2019 Hail Mary Jordan Bennington pass. Like maybe there's gold in them hills in the American Hockey League, and we'll see what happens with Pickard because it happened in 2019 with the St. Louis Blues who were in a similar situation. I don't know, but uh, you're right. The goaltending woes aren't the only woes they have. The blue line's an issue, high, uh, high danger scoring chances a major issue for them, but they do need to fix the goaltending ASAP. Uh, the opponent tonight is an issue, too, on Monday Night Hockey. The Oilers will catch Florida on a 11-3-1 run, which is, you know, the majority of the season. They've just been really good uh, pretty much since yeah. the first, or since knocking the rust off, I guess, after a run to the Stanley Cup final. I'm pretty interested in this team in terms of, like, culture and what they're building and how they're kind of in that Boston Bruin mold where it kind of doesn't matter, everyone fits there. Like, Oliver ekman Larson was a problem in Vancouver, was a problem in stops <laughs> before that, and all of a sudden he fits in on the Florida uh, blue line. So when it comes to, like, sustainability yeah. and culture, is Maurice building something there that's beyond, you know, some of the parts? I think Maurice is a big part of it. Um, I still maintain that Matthew Kachuk is the biggest part of it. Um, you know, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he leaves the Calgary Flames and it's been disarray ever since. Uh, here's someone who was who was ticketed to be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. Um, here's someone that I think now everybody in the United States, even though he's playing in Florida, just understands how good Matthew Kachuk is and how valuable he is uh, to a team. Um, so as much as it's Paul Maurice, I still do maintain that a lot of it is Matthew Kachuk. And I think it undermines one thing as well. Um, man, who was, was it, uh, was it Ned Harkness who said, you know, we should, we should change the name of the sport to goalie because that's what it comes down to. You know, let's stop calling it hockey and let's just start calling it goalie. It's amazing what happens when you get saves. And the Florida Panthers, you know, without Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad, you know, they started the season without those two. And we said, okay, all they need to do is try to tread water and maybe try to stay above the water a little bit, waiting for their top two defensemen to come back. And and you're right, all of a sudden, you know, sorry if there's Vancouver Canucks fans listening here right now, but Oliver Ekman-Larsen has been good. You know, Gustav Forsling, good for this team. The fill-ins have been really good on that back end. But I think a lot of it starts with Matthew Kachuk, I think Paul Maurice is a good coach for this team, and it's amazing what happens when when you're actually getting saves. Chatting with Jeff Merrick, of course, of the Jeff Merrick Show and 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Um, Okay, how about the Global Series? Uh, How about Nylander, the Swedish sweetheart, uh, had probably the best weekend of anyone uh, combined, but just in terms of the entire success of the weekend, I think it's a, a winner all around for the NHL and for William Nylander. Yeah, it's taken a while, but I think they've, you know, you always wait for the NHL to to finally figure out, okay, how do we make this work? All these sort of tentpole events, whether it's the draft or the winter classic or all-star or whatever, like all these are really important. And the global series has taken on a certain importance as well. And Ailish did not feel to you like, for the first time, the NHL really nailed it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a lot of it sort of fell into their laps. 
I mean, there's, you know, uh, the situation with Boreas Salming, which carries over in the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Detroit Red Wings were there, the two teams that he played for in the NHL, most predominantly, of course, the Maple Leafs. But he was a Red Wing. Um, and, you know, William Melander being on fire the way that he was, and so much family in attendance, and so many ex, like, how many ex-players did we see? It was awesome. And the Boreas Salming Award by Glenn Healy and, and the uh, the Alumni Association, that was a beautiful touch. I love that. No surprise that it's Glenn Healy uh, that puts that together. But it's like, hey, look, there's Zetterberg. Hey, look, there's Cronwell. Hey, look, there's Lidstrom. Like, it was just, like, honestly, it was just cool. Like, it makes your event look bigger when ex-players are there to watch it. Like, like I, I come away from the weekend saying, okay, that's exactly it. Now do that for Finland. Now do that for Czech Republic. Now do that for Germany. Now do that for Switzerland. And as far as William Nylander goes, let me know whether you guys think I'm, I'm reaching too far on this one. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm like blowing this up bigger than it needs to be. But, you know, every team, every organization, every, every business um, has a new department, and that is brand management. Okay. And I look at the Maple Leafs brand, and the Maple Leafs brand in Sweden was started and created and developed by Borja Salmi. And then it hit a new plateau with Matt Sundin. If I'm a brand manager with MLSE, I'm looking at William Nylander and I'm saying, our brand is really strong in Europe. Our brand is extremely strong in Sweden specifically. It's not just that you need William Nylander on the Maple Leafs because of the player that he is, but just from an international brand perspective, has he not kind of made himself invaluable? Oh, he's got the style, he's got the name, he's got the family. Yeah, you saw him on the TV show, right? (laughs) No, did I ever. (laughs) With the tank top? People are fawning over him, Mm -hmm. and he's the most chill guy, and the lineups for autographs are huge, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't seem phased by any of it and people are just eating it up he's got the style he's got the great feathers he's a great hockey player like forget the hockey for a second just from a brand perspective has he not sort of taken himself and the maple leafs to another level here where if you're a brand manager of the maple leafs you're saying hold on a second internationally our brand has a lot tied into this guy I feel like I'm working for Lewis Gross here, his agent. I understand that. Like, okay, Merrick, we know that there's no I in team, but there's two I's in invoice. And, man, you better invoice Lewis Gross for that last statement. But still, like, it feels like he's become really crucial to that Maple Leaf brand in Europe right now. Yeah, I feel like he got to be the star of the show uh, this past week, which isn't something that always happens with all the star-studded names on this Maple Leafs roster. Maybe it took him going to his home country for that, but it probably added some yeah. dollar signs. But nonetheless, I think you, you bring up a good point about the market, marketability of William Nylander, um, and maybe they can use that in their next contract negotiation, say, here's a bunch of brand uh, deals because we can't afford that in the cap. And maybe we can get you, yeah. I don't know, give me some Swedish Ikea sponsorships uh, that, that, could, that could work for him. <laughs> I want to ask you about another Swede, uh, Klingberg. <laughs> maybe on the complete other uh, end of the spectrum here, uh, it really seems like things yeah. might be progressing to a Robodaz Island situation, an LTIR stint. Uh, yeah. Sounds like maybe two different voices as well when you hear his perspective and you hear Coach Sheldon Keefe. What's your understanding of where we're at with uh, his injury and the progression that we might see here down the road? I really wonder if it's a hip issue. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do. 
Um, you watch him play. And first of all, like, that's got to be incredibly frustrating. You know he wanted to play in those games. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah going back home, NHL, like, all of it. Like, I can only imagine the, the frustration and the disappointment uh, for someone like John Klingberg. Proud, Swede, um, proud NHLer, all of it. I feel awful for, uh, for John Klingberg. Uh, it does sound, feel, walk, smell like a, like a hip situation here for John Klingberg, uh, which isn't good uh, at all. I, I think this is the week that uh, Elliot and I talked about this on uh, on the podcast as well, that we, we get a little bit more of a, an understanding of what the issue is here and how the Maple Leafs are going to deal with it. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong at all. As a matter of fact, I, I think you're closer to the truth than I'm sort of reaching for here. I don't think anyone would be surprised um, if something significant, uh, as you just mentioned, happens with John Klingberg. Um, like, I just know, like, from a human point of view, it's a bummer that he couldn't go to Sweden and play. And now I think it's sort of, okay, now it's time to do something about this. I just, it doesn't feel good. And I, I don't like the sound of where this is, is headed uh, for him, the, uh, the, uh, the athlete and the person, too. But we should find out more soon. I just don't think it's good news for John Klingberg. Okay, Merrick, we got to let you go in a second here, but I want to see if you okay. do Lewis Gross one more favor. <laughs> Your heart trophy ballot as is right now. You can give us a top three. You can let us know if William Nylander's on it when you look at this trophy right now because, frankly, yeah. no Oilers should even be in the discussion. Who's, uh, who's at the front of your mind right now in terms of the Hart Trophy? Uh, there's a couple. Uh, one of them, and everyone at CAA will be very happy about this one, and that is uh, Quinn Hughes, mm. the Vancouver Canucks. Major, major story. Like he's, he's, he's wrapping up the Norris, and every time he's on the ice, something special happens. The other one he sh- who should get a lot of – I think the other person who should get a lot of noise, and he plays in New York, so he will, is Artemi Panarin. You know, a couple of years ago, I had him as my number one choice on, uh, on my heart ballot, and I'm starting – as I'm saying, like, I'm starting to get that soap and warm water feeling again for our Tammy Panarin. You know, the Rangers turn around. The Alexi Lafreniere turn around. I know we're saying a lot of it has to do with the coach, and sure, um, giving him, you know, plenty of opportunity. But, you know, for the longest time, whether it was Chicago or Columbus or New York, if you have a player who's having a problem, put them with our Tammy Panarin. He's like this magical fixer. Like you wave your magic wand over the player, Artemi, uh, and, and turn them into a better player. To me, he's that guy. So right now, the two that I'm looking at, Quinn Hughes and Artemi Panarin. Okay. No favor for Lewis Gross. That's two. There's <laughs> Sorry, still one, still one more spot there. You, <laughs> one more spot there. You, we'll Lewis. see uh, who wow. grabs it on Jeff Merrick's ballot. Uh, Merrick, we appreciate you jumping on. Merrick Mondays are the yeah. best. Uh, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, you guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Jeff. That's Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show and 32 Thoughts. Okay, but you might have a little bit of a different thought for the Hart Trophy ballot. If uh, I see anything on your Twitter about futures and bets, you had you had a little bit of an idea. We have to bring it up. I'm just saying, uh, it's really hard to argue the value of someone who's producing every single night. And Quinn Hughes has definitely done that, mm-hmm. 100%. Maybe Quinn Hughes is there. But maybe you just give him the Norris Trophy. And again, this is a lot of runway left. Kucherov belongs in the conversation. I guess Pedersen belongs Bruins, maybe? in the po- conversation as well, David Pasternak. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how you can't submit William Nylander's name for it right now. And, you know, there's a decent price. We'll get to Bed Rivers in a second. Uh, but William Nylander has been unbelievable. He is front and center. The weekend belonged to him. The season has belonged to him. A point in every single game at least. Uh, you, you can't have a discussion about the best players in the league right now 
and not include number 88 with the Leafs. I know we can get a little bogged down here talking about the contract that's pending with William Nylander, but I think we need to step back and appreciate the true like greatness that we're seeing with him. It's something that Leaf fans have wanted forever and have held him you know, sometimes to a different standard than his teammates, right? Mm-hmm. When there were stretches where William Nylander wasn't producing, there was frustration. We talked about the uncles on Twitter, but since the playoffs... He's been a consistent guy. Now look at what, how he started the season. He's doing things that haven't really been done by a Maple Leaf in a very long time. So try to take the money out of your brain and just appreciate what we're watching. This this stretch in Sweden was awesome. It was really great to see him. It, it was the perfect weekend from William Nylander. Yeah, we'll, we'll kick around the contract down the road. But I just wanted to soak it all in. I and, thought it was awesome. And we're going to kick around the idea of sponsorships over there in Sweden. Around, I like, love oh, it. This is the, Again, uh, it, it shouldn't be a negative. At all. It shouldn't be, oh, you should have signed him in the summer. Look what's happening. Will you, William Nylander this entire time has had to prove that he is the player that he thinks mm. he is in terms of price tag. And if he proves to be that player, why wouldn't you want yeah. to have that player? The Maple Leafs can wanna, make it hey, work if they want pen. to. Yeah, you'll find a way to make it work. You'll find a way to make William Nylander a very, very rich man, and he is already. But this shouldn't be looked at as a negative at all. It should be a celebration of a player exactly. taking an unbelievable step forward and making it so that you don't mind spending the money and making the concessions tied to keeping this guy in blue and white. Okay, uh, lots of time to discuss William Nylander and the money he's going to make. Uh, but let's talk about some that we might make. Time now for bet. Uh, time now for between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. We teed up tonight's a big football game. <laughs> it's the Kelsey Bowl, but it's also the Kelsey family meeting the Swift family, mm-hmm. which, of course, brought me to the perfect parlay on Bet Rivers. Uh, Travis Kelsey plus DeAndre Swift to both score a touchdown. That's Kelsey and Swift plus 500. It's boosted for you. It's a perfect pick for tonight's uh Dramatic event we'll be watching later in the evening. Yeah, I mean, that's impossible to ignore. Swift and Kelsey, <laughs> they have been impossible to ignore uh, because they got a lot of media coverage. Uh, I'm going with Matthew Kajak. We talked about it a little with Merrick. Mm. Uh, you know how he introduction with the Florida Panthers is like, yeah, I hate Tampa now. I think he still hates Edmonton. I think it'll be just like an automatic yeah. trigger, him seeing Oiler jerseys and immediately <laughs> upping his game. I'm just going to go aggressive with Matthew Kachuk because I think Matthew Kachuk might get in that cart, that heart conversation by the end of things. Uh, two plus goals, plus 650. We're a little aggressive tonight, but the yeah, Oilers whatever. have been leaking goals all year. They got Calvin Pickard in net. I think Matthew Kachuk will get up mm-hmm. for maybe – piling a little salt in the wound, excuse me, of the Oilers. I think Kachuk goes off, plus 652 plus goals. It's my pick tonight. He's definitely a guy that rises to the occasion. He wants to prove himself on any night, especially when there's a revenge angle. So I like your Kachuk thought. Um, I like our big bets tonight. I think we're just going more bold lately. You a little what? bit more, but I mean, like, Live we, on the we edge. could nickel fun. and dime here yeah, uh, on between the lines, way. but a little aggressiveness uh, it is, is more fun when you hit it. Take a chance, so. Exactly. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, We're going to chat with Chris Rose on the other side, NFL Network, and the Chris Rose rotation pod. Now, tonight is a big one. It's uh, the Super Bowl rematch. It's probably the most exciting game of the NFL schedule. This is the one everyone's had circled. Uh, Two teams that are going to have a lot to prove tonight. Of course, the sideline story of the Swift family meeting the Kelsey family. Yeah, that's it's definitely a confluence of events That's important. Here. Uh, it will be shown on your television. So, yeah, you're going to see it. No Taylor Swift apparently in attendance tonight. She has a concert 
in uh, Buenos Aires, so she's not actually presently there, but her family will be. So I know what, you care a lot. So what can we expect? Let's get this over with. What can we expect from the families tonight? The Kelsey family, the Swift family? I'm sure the very first time that they meet and they hug will be the most viral clip you'll see all night long, unless Travis Kelsey or Jason Kelsey can make their own story on the field. Well, I lots still to go still think the Swift thing will probably... I'm sure it will, too. Uh, so we've got that to go through with Chris Rose. We also have some Manoa uh, discussion to have after we chat with him. Uh, some rumors that maybe the Blue Jays are open to moving Manoa in a trade. Uh, that's obviously a huge <laughs> conflict, I mean, a conversation this offseason. So we'll get into that. Uh, that was from Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. So Chris Rose, a little bit of a Manoa chat, and then maybe, if you're lucky, the return of the A-list. That's all next on the Fan Pregame with A-list and Justin. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on the fan pregame, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ailish, four of our Justin Cuthbert. Before we get into a little bit of a preview of the Kelsey Bowl Let's talk a little bit about that Manoa topic that we just let off um, before the break. So Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic writing in his latest article. A lot of people are talking about the Blue Jays. I'll say that uh, the Blue Jays are, quote, open to moving Manoa in a trade. Some rival executives have told The Athletic uh, isn't clear if Toronto uh, is dismissing or entertaining offers, but people are interested in it. And maybe mm. maybe this means they're just. You know, trending, trending towards, towards the divorce. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because we, how are you supposed to evaluate how much Alec Manoa is worth at this point? He just had a disastrous season, but he's a guy that the year before had a phenomenal season, right? He's also young, but he's got a lot of, of control left as well. So you need to think about that. Like, I think until he's 30, he's under team control. And is the off-the-field vibe something that was just towards the Blue Jays? Is he... Is the Blue Jays relationship the thing that's broken or is Alec Manoa broken? Is there something that can be fixed off the field in terms of his rehab and his arm or is it just time to part ways? A lot to navigate. Yeah, I mean, this would be the definition of selling low. Uh, But there's a couple things that are abundantly clear to me and these things all point towards, yeah, this relationship probably can't continue and I think there's distrust distrust being one of those things. And I think one of the things is that Manoa probably needs someone to blame the issues on. And I think the Blue Jays, maybe first and foremost when it comes to that discussion, which we care about the most, is that they kind of have to protect their identity. And their identity right now is starting pitching. And if you have to put Manoa on the mound, you risk undermining what you do the best. And I think for that reason, if you have to sell low on the asset, maybe you just have to bite the bullet. Okay, great question to ask our guest, Chris Rose, who's joining us on NFL Network, and of course, the Chris Rose Rotation Pod. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us uh, tonight. I want to start with Alec Manoa, actually. I know we're going to talk about the Kelsey Bowl a little later on, but um, I know you've probably been seeing that maybe the Blue Jays are interested or other teams are interested in Alec Manoa. How would you even begin to evaluate his trade value, a guy with a lot of ups and downs, but still, hopefully, a lot of potential? Well, I mean... There really isn't any trade value if you're looking at it from the Blue Jays standpoint. I mean, what are they selling? That two years ago he was a Cy Young candidate. Everybody saw how things transpired. Um, and everybody knows that they can hold the Blue Jays hostage here. They, they can say, either, well, good luck dealing with this. That, it, you know, there was obviously some sort of fractured relationship between Manoa and the team. 
And, yeah, he needs a fresh start. There's no question about it. So it just it stinks for the Blue Jays that they're going to get 20 cents on the dollar for this mm-hmm. um, or whatever coins we use up there in Canada. I, 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 I know <laughs> we got sense, Chris. Monopoly got sense. money up here. <laughs> <laughs> we got sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you're making okay. sense. But I, what I will say is, like, <laughs> I, I think I now view him as a lottery ticket, and lottery tickets, I guess, are prospects. And he's not a prospect, but teams will look if they're trading a player that is established for a bunch of maybes. And maybe Manoa's just a maybe, and that's kind of a tough uh, fall from grace from a guy who was a finalist for the Cy Young but if he's a lottery ticket, maybe it's just one that the Blue Jays have to spend in order to and package with something in order to get something that can help their roster this year. Yeah, I think that's the that's the way you have to look at it because if it's just him as either the entire package going from Toronto or the apparent centerpiece, there's not a team out there who's going to be like, yeah, let's go do this, right? I mean, they they all have seen what he has delivered in the past, right? I mean, all-star, not afraid of anything, all that sort of stuff, which is, you know, those are the whole bunch of reasons why I picked him as my preseason Cy Young Award winner a year ago. By the way, how'd that work out? (laughs) Not great. Um, So I definitely believed in him, and I'm not the only one in the baseball world, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to give up anything substantial based on, the disaster that was 2023. Uh, one more on MLB before we move on to NFL. Of course, tonight's a big one, but uh, Shohei Otani, the biggest conversation this off season has been quiet, uh, but you know, Blue Jays are always poking in the weeds. I don't think that they're the, the team that's going to land him because I wonder for you, if it's just West coast always for Shohei, if he's just a guy that's going to love it over there and not look over at the AL East. Oh, I don't think that's fair. I think he'll, I think he's going to give everything a substantial look. And the the thing is, is that he has kept things extremely quiet, meaning we just don't know how important everything is to him. Listen, the guy is a huge competitor. It's why he does what he does. Um, So I'm sure he wants to win. I'm sure every season since he came over to the angels in 2018 has been extremely frustrating for him, meaning there hasn't been any, um, critical at bats or pitches thrown by him. Um, so I, the guy wants to have an opportunity to win. And, but he also, from what we can see, likes to be comfortable and there is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So I, if I were him, I would look at every sort of situation that he can. I would talk to as many people as I could. I would talk to as many Japanese ball players who have played in these cities um, you know, recently in order to get a feel for organizations and comfort level and all, because that's all important stuff. Uh, the money's going to be there. I mean, it's not like one team's going to offer him 300 million. He'll be like, yeah, I'll take that. Cause it's going to start with a four or a five. I don't know what it's going to start with, but it's going to be pretty damn good. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't count out any place based on locale. All right, uh, pretty damn good is what we probably expect from tonight. The Kelsey Bowl, the Super Bowl rematch, the meetings of the Swift and Kelsey family, uh, probably one of the best actual football games, hopefully, to be played on the field uh, this season. What do you expect from tonight's rematch of the Super Bowl? Well, first of all, you mentioned that the Kelsey and Swift families are meeting. 
is that still taking place? Because she's not going to be there. She, she had to push a concert in Brazil mm-hmm. from the weekend because it because of like heat issues mm-hmm. to tonight. So she's not even going to be there, which is a bummer for <laughs> Kansas City fans. It's a bummer for ESPN. It's a bummer for TMZ Sports. It's a bummer for uh, a lot of people. But it's also a bummer for the Kansas City Chiefs because when she shows, they're 4-0 this year, and they put up 10 more points per game. And I never thought that I would be rattling <laughs> off Taylor Swift's stats during a radio interview in Toronto. But mm. here we are. My understanding is that the family's still meeting. I'm no insider. I'm no. I'm a Swifty, uh, you know, by fan, but not a Swifty by uh, coverage. But even if she's not right. there, I understand so far that they would still be going. But maybe they'll postpone it to the maybe the real Super Bowl rematch if we ever see one. Uh, but nonetheless, these two teams will put on a big show tonight, whether she's in attendance or not. Yeah, I mean. Listen, I think it'll be a fun game. Obviously, it's been built up big time. Um, I think it's a bigger game for the home team. I think it's critical for the Chiefs because you have to remember a few things. Number one, if they lose, they will fall behind Baltimore in the AFC playoff standings. Regardless of what happens with Philadelphia tonight, they will still be the one seed, uh, even though they'll have the same record as the Lions. Um, Obviously, the Eagles have some really tricky teams down the down the uh, down down the slate the rest of the year, uh, but for the Chiefs, they've never played a road game in Patrick Mahomes's starting career, uh, as far as the playoffs go. You know, they did play Super Bowl Fifty Five in Tampa, but that was weird, right? There were mm-hmm. twenty thousand fans, and uh, most of them were like doctors and nurses from around the country that came in. So that was a little different. But he's never played a road playoff game, so. That could be a different thing for the Chiefs. The Eagles, I think that they could win anywhere at any time if they had to go someplace come January. That's interesting because post-Burrow injury, I'm just thinking, oh, that, that no one can touch the Chiefs. Uh, I, I Like Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens have had a good season. Lamar Jackson a little bit banged up. But do I see them upsetting the Chiefs at any point? I'm not really sure. I could have seen maybe or in, at least envisioned Burrow doing it just because Joe Burrow seems to be that guy, but whether or not they fall one, two, do you think there is like, do you, do you believe in the Ravens as, as a suitable challenger for the chiefs in the AFC? Like if they win this game, they're in a great position, obviously, but even if they have to go through some adversity, is it, is it the chiefs and everyone else for you? No, not at all. Um, I don't know who the pass catchers are on Kansas city outside of Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice has really done a nice job, um, but he's a rookie. Uh, it's so weird because, yeah, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster had a really nice season a year ago. Uh, Mikal Hardman, who's now back with them after the trade back from the Jets, Um, but he was never a guy that was catching 60 passes a year. He was a big-time complimentary piece that they used in in kind of situational football. Um, I, I just think they're throwing so much on Patrick Mahomes to have to do all the time. Somehow they did it without Tyreek Hill last year. And I just don't, I think there's too many landmines here in the AFC this year. Mm. You could get caught in, in, in one of those early round games where things are just a little off and the other team comes in with nothing to lose. Even if Joe Burrow isn't around, even if Deshaun Watson isn't around, you could get some freaky early playoff matchups in the AFC. That's all I'm saying. Whereas in the NFC, it feels like we basically know the seven teams that are going to be in there. We just don't know the order. 
And it feels really top-heavy there with Philly and San Francisco. And I think Detroit and Dallas are interesting, but I don't feel like they're on those teams' levels. Okay, so Dallas is fringe for you. I wanted to ask you about the Cowboys next because, I mean, like most years, they've got a ton of talent. But they got Dak Prescott, and I'm not really sure that you can believe in Dak Prescott when he's not filling up the stat sheet against lesser teams. Uh, And it wasn't even prolific by any means against the Carolina Panthers, but, you know, they blew out the Carolina Panthers over the weekend. Is there any reason for you? You just mentioned them as kind of not really sure. But belief in Dak, any more confidence in Dak being able to lead a Super Bowl contender, or do you think that's still maybe the fatal flaw there? I, I don't think this is all necessarily on Dak. I just I won't go there with him um, because they've had other shortcomings. You know, every year that they have either been in the wild card round and lost or been in the divisional round and lost, the offense just can't get out of its own way. And that's, you know, have they lost any games except for it felt like maybe Dak rookie year against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay where they where it's been a shootout? Like, there has been something off about the game plan, whether Mike McCarthy's been calling the plays, hasn't been calling the plays, hasn't been in town. Uh, It has been a collective failure. So this just just isn't solely on Dak Prescott. Can he play better against the San Francisco 49ers when he sees them? Yeah, he can. Um, But he's had some really nice games against the Philadelphia Eagles. I would love to see them match up with them in the divisional round. I think that'd be a blast. We're chatting with Chris Rose, NFL Network, and the Chris Rose Rotation Pod. Uh, Big news today, obviously, Zach Wilson, now QB3. Jets make the decision to bench him. Tim Boyle take it over. Um, Man, what a mess. Uh, I I wonder if that's the end of the Zach Wilson era with the Jets, if this is just a a temporary fix, and maybe if Aaron Rodgers is healing, (laughs) maybe at the speed that's not even going to end up affecting the Jets at this point because they won't have any meaningful games to play. They, They won't. They won't. I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers, maybe he believes it. Um, maybe he's going to be the medical marvel and start practicing December 2nd, like Jay Glazer reported. Jay's really, really good at this stuff, and most of his stuff, if not all of it, hits. Uh, but, I mean, are we talking about Aaron Rodgers just kind of showing up for practice, doing a couple of things, or are we talking about – gearing up to the point where they can open up his 21 day window and he's ready. But yes, you're right. I like, I don't, I don't think they're going to beat Miami this Friday. Um, It's been a disaster, right? Here's, here is where talent evaluators with teams can't get out of their own way, right? Joe Douglas and this organization draft Zach Wilson second. All they had to do was really realize last year, Hey, this ain't it. So we're going to bring in Aaron Rodgers. Great. Now, there have been times where Aaron Rodgers has been injured, and he's almost 40 years old. Are we comfortable with Zach Wilson leading this team that we are turning into a Super Bowl contender and being the one-play-away guy? And by the way, the Jets aren't the only team, right? The Browns are trying to deal with that right now. The Bengals are going to deal with it because they got a guy in Jake Browning who has barely played at the NFL level. So all of these really good teams, and sometimes when you pay quarterbacks what you pay them, you got to cut corners elsewhere. But I sure as hell wouldn't do it at the most important position in sports. So the Jets go, well, listen, we drafted him second overall. 
we believed in him more than anybody else. We are still going to believe in him and just hope that he is in the break glass in case of emergency. Well, guess what? One drive in, they had to grab that damn hammer and break that thing open. And here they are. The guy didn't complete a pass to a wide receiver yesterday. You tell me if he's any good. Yeah, we'll see if Tim Boyle uh, can provide an upgrade for the New York Jets uh, as we move forward here. I I think, Chris, it's pretty clear that both Russell Wilson and Sean Payton aren't what they were previously. Maybe that's not completely fair to Sean Payton, but these two guys have it going uh, all of a sudden in Denver. Four straight victories. They've pulled it back from the depths, uh, one and five to five and five. Can they get themselves into one of those tricky matchups in the AFC, do you think? Or is this just a a run that will end up being short-lived? They can. They've got a really big game actually against my Cleveland Browns coming up on Sunday. Um, that one's in Denver. And, you know, I don't think anybody would be surprised if the Broncos ended up winning that thing. And although Russell Wilson is the headline here and he has played extremely well, um, maybe not up to the Russ MVP-ish type level that we saw for several years up there in Seattle, but he is certainly doing enough. This is about the defense. I mean, I really think people are missing the point. Remember, they gave up 70 points in a game to the Dolphins. They gave up 10 touchdowns in a game and fell to 0-3. Well, now the Broncos have ripped off four straight wins. They're giving up 17 points per game in that span. They've forced a dozen turnovers in their last three games. To me, it's the defense that has really gotten this thing done. I know it's a quarterback-driven league. I know that Russell Wilson has been incredible in his career, and so is Sean Payton. But let's kind of focus on why the Denver Broncos are exactly where they are. They're a team that kicks a ton of field goals. They had five of them last night and one drive that won the game offensively. That team forced three more turnovers against the Vikings. They held them out of the end zone at critical times. The defense is the biggest reason why why the Broncos are back to 500 and in this thing. Uh, you mentioned you're a Cleveland guy. I got to ask you about Miles Garrett uh, in this Browns season. Can you contextualize this 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 Miles Garrett season for us? I mean, you look at the situation obviously with Deshaun Watson. You look at the victory over the of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers over the weekend, and it's not to say that one defensive player is lugging them to where they're going to be, which is potentially the playoffs. Uh, but this might be the most impact in terms of, hey, dragging a team uh, to a spot where maybe they shouldn't be just by virtue of, you know, the adversity that's hit them. Uh, he m- might be the runaway favorite right now for Defensive Player of the Year, uh, but I think it probably goes beyond that. How good is this football right now for Miles Garrett? It's exceptional, um, and it's it's more than that. Uh, I was talking to my brother my oldest brother was actually at the game where the Browns won their last championship. He was a seven-year-old kid when the Browns beat the Baltimore Colts 27, nothing in 1964. And so I had to ask him because we all know that the Browns greatest offensive player is Jim Brown. And they've had some legendary all of fame offensive players, right? Otto Graham, Ozzie Newsome, uh, you know, a ton of them, right? Paul Warfield, all these guys. And I asked my brother, I said, Bob, is Miles Garrett the greatest defensive player in the history of the Browns? Because I honestly didn't know. Like, I was like, who's the defensive stud when they were winning championships in the, in the 40s and 50s? And he's like, yeah, he is the best defensive player that's ever put on brown and orange. And the Browns don't win a lot of 
individual honors. They just don't. I, I don't think we've ever had a defensive player of the year. Um, our last MVP was Brian Seif in the 1980 season. And so it just doesn't happen. But I do think that he's going to get his hands on that defensive player of the year award. He is just changing it. You saw it the first play yesterday. He looked like he got shot out of a cannon and probably easily could have been called a safety. I mean, that is a momentum-changing play from snap one. And that's how he rolls. And my God, by the way, every Friday when he holds court, he does his interviews every Friday with the local media. Every week, he does it with his shirt off. And, it, I mean, if it doesn't make you feel terrible about the way that you look, <laughs> I mean, I tune into that thing. I'm like, my gosh. You know, I'm usually watching the thing on YouTube, and my wife walks past. She's like, yeah, Miles is doing his interview with his shirt off. I was like, yeah, honey, that's the way I would roll if I did those things. He's <laughs> like, no, you wouldn't. I'm hurting <laughs> myself on another Friday here watching Miles Garrett. Yeah, exactly. A uh, rough go. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that field goal, the win over Pittsburgh, maybe as meaningful a result uh, as we've seen all season because uh, it may say a lot about who goes to the playoffs when we get there. This was fun, Chris. Uh, hopefully we can do it uh, again down the line. Uh, we appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely, and uh, happy early Thanksgiving to, well, you guys already had Thanksgiving. Happy you? early yeah, Thanksgiving it's, to it's you. So late Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving <laughs> to you. All right, thank you. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm learning. I have so many friends from Canada, too, and I still move, you know, the money, the dates, everything else. So at least my heart was in the right spot. <laughs> it definitely we do was. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. All right, gang, take care. That's that, Chris, Ro- Chris Rose, excuse me, of NFL Network in the Chris Rose Rotation Podcast. That's when... You're like, oh, I didn't know we had the same birthday. And the person goes, it's not my birthday. You go, hmm. Mm. I, uh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> they just, like, they don't, they, like, feel bad for us Americans about our Thanksgiving. Because oh, they know how good theirs American are. They're like, oh, you just did that and we had no idea. Like, it just, it happens every year. It's so much better than ours. It is. Anyway, we get to experience it uh, this week. We got some daytime games. The Leafs play at 2 on Friday. So there's some... And a Black Friday Fun NFL game. Just we a random do. Friday yep. we're going to have uh, this week, which I'm kind of looking forward Jets to. Dolphins Jets at 3, Leafs Blackhawks at 2, Bulls Raptors at 7.30. Stagger your viewing. It's a perfect day. Make sure you take a nap in between. Um, I wanted to give you a stat or a tweet before we say goodbye and wrap up our show. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles tweeted the following. So it's a photo of Travis and Jason Kelsey together. Right. The caption was, one of these guys is a finalist for Sexiest Man Alive, and the other is dating an Eagles fan. Do you get that? You're going to have to explain it, I think. Well, Taylor Swift is technically an Eagles fan. Is she? Yeah. When, what's that technicality? Well, she was born in that area, and so she grew up an Eagles fan. She uses the Eagles. Is in- there proof of that? Yep. She has, she has some songs where she makes references. I'll give you the updates, but... You know, sexiest man alive being Jason. Yeah, I mean that's that's actually pretty tough. Uh, I didn't know tough. that about this storyline. It's I, kind of it's, it's brushed under the rug. Okay. I mean, I think it's pretty important though. If she if she means everything to the success and failure of the Kansas City Chiefs when she's in attendance, and apparently everything to Travis Kelsey, who just by the way is like not having a good season, but no one cares about it. It's he's true. Dating, he's tra- kind of uh, getting Swift. he's getting by pretty nicely. He's getting away. Like, this, is, <laughs> this, this is a nice little distraction. Mm-hmm. But if she really is an Eagles fan. I mean, maybe this is where the bus this is a big This is a big night for a lot of allegiances. She won't be there. She's performing tonight. But uh, one other tweet. This is from Front Office Sports, who always has pretty good stuff here. Um, between Jason and Travis Kelsey. I know you're hating this, so I'm going to continue it. You're just piling it on here. Well, this actually has nothing to do with her. Uh, she might be in it, actually. Between Jason and Travis Kelsey in 2023, 
just this calendar year. Won the NFC, won the AFC, won a Super Bowl, reached number one on a sports podcast chart. We were number two. Hosted Saturday Night Live, got an Amazon documentary, launched an apparel line, started dating Taylor Swift, was named a finalist for Sexiest Man Alive, brought into a Formula One team, released a Christmas album, climbed to number one on iTunes. We were number two. Raised millions for multiple charities. It's like the same one. I mean, yeah, it's it's if it's not Swift World, it's a Kelsey. Listen world. to all that. It goes on and, and that's on. Why I don't I'm even so have cynical. time. We're gonna run that's out. That's why I'm so cynical because it's like it's it's just. I think the two of them did so much, so much before Taylor Swift was in the equation. They were oh, already 100%, yeah, one hundred percent. So she maybe she's riding their coattails. <laughs> I couldn't even, even say that without laughing. Can't say it with a straight face. I couldn't. She's a billionaire. She doesn't need them. No, it's just two it's forces. True love. Just let it happen. It's forces combining. All right. So who's gonna win tonight? I like the Chiefs. You do. Yeah. yeah, even though she's not in attendance and the numbers are skewed when she's not there. No, I mean, a short spread game under a field goal, right? Yep. I'll always go Chiefs. Okay. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, 7 o'clock, we got Edmonton and Florida on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, can the Oilers turn this around? Can McDavid and Dreisaitl put the pieces together? Things are looking grim at Edmonton. Uh, but, you know, it's time to start the turnaround. Uh, we'll be... Oh, you were I was just going to say, second half of back-to-back as well. Calgary oh. at the Seattle Kraken. Two teams that are not meeting expectations. Yeah. <laughs> Florida is like the only one of the bunch that's got it going on right now. Yeah. See if that changes on Monday Night Hockey. Well, maybe you'll get your two Kachuk goals as well. And I'll get my Kelsey Swift parlay. And things will, will be right in the world. Uh, that was a fun one. We'll be back tomorrow on Tuesday for our big Raptors game. They're ho- hosting, or they're at the Orlando Magic. No NHL on tomorrow night. We'll be back to tee up that Raptors game. Have a great night, everyone.